Well, good morning. Good to see you. This is an exciting day. You know why? Because you're alive. Well, some of you are. Check your pulse. Check your neighbor's pulse. See if it's still working, right? Um, let me tell you a couple of things that I think uh, God wants to, uh, to do in our midst here. I believe that God wants to take your life where you are, and he wants to magnify it for the kingdom, for his glory. And he can only do that if you're really, really yielded to him. Let me tell you this thought, see if you've ever heard this before. You can be in the middle of a miracle and what? And not know it. God can be doing something amazing right in your midst and you be totally unaware of it. And yet God says, no, just wait. Just be patient and see what I'm doing. See how my hand is working even now. Here's another thought. God goes before you to secure your future. Now, everybody thinks about the future. Everybody wants to know about the future, and nobody really does except God. Yet in this passage we're going to see today, God clearly says, I go before you. Wait till you see what I have for you. And sometimes you think, well, I, I kind of had that thought a few months ago, and then I got two months down the road, and it seemed to be worse than better. Did you ever think that Jesus' life was worse before it's better? See, he had to die before the resurrection. He said, unless a, a grain falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth what? Much fruit. So sometimes what we do is we resist what God is doing in our life because he's ultimately trying to shape us into the image of Christ. And that shaping process is always, always difficult. It's something we resist because in the natural man, what we want to do is we want to be carefully taken care of by God, protected from any harm, any difficulty, any struggle, and yet Jesus grew in the nurture and the admonition through the things that he endured in life. It's part of his process as well. Here's another thought. God is your ultimate adventure. How many of you like to go on a on a vacation next week. Anybody raise your hand? Vacation. Let me see. A couple of you. The rest of you don't really care about it, I guess. Some of you won't raise your hand for any reason whatsoever. I know that. I'm not volunteering. I know it's a trick. But, you know, you think about it. I'd love to go on a vacation and do this and do that and do whatever. Do you realize that walking down the road with God, that spiritual adventure is greater than anything you could ever have? I was sitting at my desk the other day, it was, seven, it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and I was just praying, and I was thinking about all that God has done in my life over the years that I've walked with him. And I took a word, and I'm reading the word, and I said, God, I just love your word. Your word just ministers to me. And I was just sitting there, I was just caught up in the mystery that I was reading the mind of God. I wasn't reading a book, a religious book, I was reading the mind of God himself displayed before me came to this passage that we're going to look at today exodus chapter 23 verses 20 through 25 and i thought what an interesting passage so many things and the more you read it the more you begin to see out of it but listen to what god says behold i send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared, beware of him and obey his voice. Now all of a sudden I've got this picture of an angel that's in front of me. I've got to listen to this angel, 
But I have to be very, very careful. It says, beware, for he will not pardon your transgressions. And I think, what kind of angel is this? It's a different kind of angel than I, I kind of, you know, I kind of get the Christmas angel, you know, some little billowy wings, you know, floating around, really nice, taking care of me, you know, diverting cars when they're trying to wreck into me. And now all of a sudden I've got an angel that's different. And then it says, for my name is in him. That phrase alone is enough to cause us to stop and think for a moment, who is this angel? But if indeed you do not obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. God says, in obedience, what happens is I become your advocate. In obedience, what I do is I take the enemies you face in life, the uh, adversaries you face in life, and that could be anything from someone with flesh and blood on them. It could be something spiritual. It could be something internal that you're wrestling with. I can be an enemy to those. I can take care of your enemies. An enemy, for example, can be fear. God says, I can take care of that, but not in disobedience. And God keeps pushing us back to this idea. I want children who love me and who follow me in obedience. Verse 23, for my angel will go before you and he will bring you to the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Mosquitoites, I suppose. All the ites, right? And you say, well, I don't know any of those people. Those six tribes don't mean anything to me. No, but you're facing your own six tribes. The interesting thing is there was actually seven tribes they would face, and he left one of them out. You know, the Holy Spirit who writes the Bible leaves something out or puts something in on purpose. Why would he leave out one? Because I think the number six is the number of man. He's trying to remind us here, you're going to face man. You're not going to face this complete number seven that's going to be your undoing. No, you're going to face man. You've got God going before you. He said, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. Pillars are erected all over. We're going to talk about a little later. That that we bow down to, we acknowledge, we yield ourselves to, we fear, we become subject to. So you shall serve the Lord your God. And here's the promise. And he will bless your bread and water. In other words, he will take care of all the necessities of life, and I will take sickness away from you. Now here's what God wants us to know, is that God alone is the one who secures our future. I'm going to send the angel. This is no ordinary angel. This is no, no run-of-the-mill kind of angel. He is, has the ability to forgive sin. You know who alone has the ability to forgive sin? God. I can't forgive your sin. That's why the Bible says confess your faults one to another. See, only God can forgive sin. That's why they crucified Jesus, because he claiming to be God in saying that your sins are forgiven. And the Jews put the, uh, the, the formula together really quick. This guy is saying he's God, a very God, and we are going to crucify him for that. He says... Uh, also not only does he forgive sin but he says my name is in him this is none other than the eternal son of god throughout the old testament you will see appearances where god shows up for example at the burning bush god was in the bush right 
But if you go to the book of Hebrews, it makes it very clear who this was in the bush. It is identified as Jesus Christ himself. Jesus had shown up. The Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 9 that in him, that is Christ, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. You know who Jesus was? God of very God, fully God, fully man. And what he does is he calls us to obedience, to put aside sin, and to put on righteousness. See, we have to do that daily. Have you done that today? God, I, I want to put away sin. I was talking to uh, uh, a guy this, this was past week, and I had challenged all the men in our, in our men's Bible study. I said, uh, I challenge you to pray with your wife. Divorce rate drops from 50 to 5% of those who pray with their wife on a daily basis. Cheaper than counseling. Less painful than counseling. A lot less introspection. Guys hate introspection. Let's sit around and think about ourselves. I'd rather not. <laughs> a lot easier just to have God move in your life, pray, get right with God, and move on than sit around and go, oh, you know, you're right, I'm, I'm that way. Put aside sin put aside this. And anyway, I'm talking to this guy, and he said, I prayed with my wife for the first time, and he said, I can't believe how powerful it was, how she responded, how I felt. Something so little. And guys, you know, they're, they're like the ultimate management problem. Well, you know, I, I see a problem with that. Guys, somebody says, I see a problem with that. Well, what's the problem? Well, the problem is, you know, then if she prays, she prays a long time, then I'm late for work. I go, okay, here's the deal. Here's what you do. You control the prayer. You say, okay, look, I've got five minutes. We're going to do the five-minute prayer before I go to work. I'll pray. You listen. If she objects. You say, okay, you pray. I'll listen. But you pray for five minutes. I promise you five minutes a day will change your household. Pray with your kids five minutes a day. Change your household completely. You see, God goes before us. Isaiah 45, 2 says this, I will go before you, and I will make the crooked path straight, and I will break in pieces the, the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. You see, when you go out, you're going to face all kinds of things that are going to get in your way. You're going to face these, these gates of bronze and these bars of iron, and you're going to say, how do I get through this, God? And says, God says, will you let me go through that for you? Will you just trust me in this? And then know also that God keeps us. He's the keeper of us. Isaiah 26 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord God is the rock eternal. Just trusting in God. God will bring you to the place that he wants you to be. God has a very specific place he wants you to be emotionally, spiritually, physically and every other way but let you have to let god do that isaiah 45 uh, 43 2 says this when you pass through the waters i will be with you and through the rivers they shall not overflow you so imagine what he's saying god says you're going to go through some deep water and you're going to wonder am i going to drown in the midst of this is this going to overcome me he says when you pass through the waters they will not overflow when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. He doesn't say you're not going to go through tough times. He doesn't say you're not going to go through fire. He just says, I'm going to be there with you if you'll put your trust in me. 
And what we do then is we're to take and carry the presence of God with us wherever we go. Here in verses 23 and 24, we see how God is just with us. And he talks about these nations. You're going to go into these nations, and guess what? These nations are going to come up against you. They're going to try to stop you in the path. And these nations, you know what they really are? They're demonic spirits. They're really these false gods that are rising up all around us. For Israel in their day, they were facing with the, one of the false gods was this god of Baal. Now, Baal might sound a little bit familiar when you understand the description. The worshipers of Baal thought the ground itself was sacred, and it was inhabited by spirits that must be appeased, and you appease them by being in harmony with nature. Sound familiar? We even coin a phrase, Mother Earth, a deity that somehow is in control of, of this world. And if we can just cooperate with Mother Earth, what we're going to do is we're going to find this unity with these spirits, and our life is going to be better. I think we'd all agree we need to be environmentally conscious. We need to be taking care of what we have and being good stewards of what God has created. But at the same time, that's not God. And that harmony that's there is not the harmony that we need. We need the harmony that comes with knowing God himself. And then it says, and they, they bow down to the stars. We call that today following after uh, astrologists. And people, it's amazing how many people, even Christian people, will read their astrology and they're going to go, I'm going to find out if it's going to be a good week or a bad week. And if you happen to catch a bad day on the, on the L.A. Times, the writer and you go, oh, no, it's a horrible day. I'm not leaving my house today. But you see, that's basing your life on fate rather than faith. We have to build our life on faith and say, let's trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Not lean on our own understanding or the, the insight of supposedly of those who follow after the, the alignment of the stars. Look what's happening. 20-plus embassies around the world are under attack. It's debatable whether that's considered sovereign soul, uh, soil and a direct attack in the United States or not, depending on who you talk to. One thing is for certain, our world is spinning out of control. September 7th, an interesting day. China announced that they will now not use the dollar for currency for oil. Russia has agreed that they will cooperate with them. You know Iran will cooperate with Russia. Now, if you think the economy's bad now, Wait till the dollar is no longer the currency for oil worldwide. What day are we living in? Demonic spirits are inciting lawlessness, and they're opening the door for a war that is coming in the Middle East. Some of you have seen the movie, 2016. This cr simply chronicles uh, the philosopher, the, the ideology of our president today. And whether you, however you... Put, position yourself, whether you're Republican or Democratic, whether you think good job or bad job, one thing is certain, our world is changing radically. Dinesh, the president of King's College who wrote that and co-directed that movie, is going to be one of our keynote speakers at our Prophecy Conference uh, this fall, November 10th. It's been the number one movie for the last several weeks, a movie made with just $2.5 million, and yet it has caught attention worldwide in over 2,000 theaters right now. What's going on? 
How do we counteract that? How do we deal with that? Well, we can do what we can do is personally, we can bring the presence of God into our personal situations. Because the presence of God, you know what it does? It changes and it charges the atmosphere. When you begin to walk in the power of God, you are walking in His presence and you are forever spoiled for wanting anything else except God and His presence. All you have to do is say something as simple as, I want your presence in my life. I want to walk in the presence of God. The presence of God shook the nations back in that day. I want you to know the presence of God can shake the nations today. Do not give up. Do not rely on politicians to solve our problem. It is a God problem, and, it, and he wants to use us to heal a nation, to change a nation, to make a difference in our world. We can shake the nations. We can shake this nation with the presence of God himself. We need God to revive us, amen? We need God to stir up our, whole, our, our heart. We need to bring God and bring revival into our world today. Every great move of God begins with prayer. Praying. Spending time with God. God begins to work in the nation. Psalm 149, another very interesting passage. It says this, let the saints, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their bed done that lately lay in your bed and just start singing last week we had some uh some uh problems with the microphone and apparently my microphone was live in the other theater and they were hearing me sing that's not a pretty thing trust me but i brought a little levity to the to the other to theater four so uh, hopefully that uh they didn't get that experience theater four we hope you didn't get that today let them sing aloud in their bed let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Now, if you notice what's happening here, all this is spiritual stuff. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. That's the word of God. Why do they need that? Look what it says, to execute vengeance on the nations. You know how Christians execute vengeance on the nations? prayer and the word of god the presence of god it's not talking about going out physically battling the nations here and it says punishment to the peoples to bind their kings with chains you see we have the ability as the church to 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 take authority over kings and over nations and the power of god to bind their kings with chains their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the the written judgment this honor we have on all the saints that's your honor and in the fullness it's really interesting jesus is sitting down the disciples and imagine this he's just finished this talk and the the pharisees that are living in that day the religious uh, jews of the day they don't really understand what jesus is saying and jesus turns and says this i tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see i think about that what you see spiritually in God's word, in God's kingdom, it says many prophets and many kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, to hear what you hear and have not heard it. Do you realize when you're reading the word of God and God speaks to you, God shows you something, he, he shows you a dimension of your life all of a sudden that that is a privilege given to the spirit by the spirit of God to us? Let me show you something else. Go to Genesis 28 and verses 16 and 17. Look what it says. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, 
Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Do you see what he just said? He just said, The house of God, which is the church, is the gateway to heaven. No wonder Jesus said, Pray like this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Church, we can pray like that. And we are to live in the expectancy of what God is doing. It says, So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. When you expect God to move, he moves. When you don't expect God to move, do not expect him to move. What are you believing God for? What are you asking God to do in your life, in your midst, in your, in your world? You see, we live on the edge of two worlds, heaven and earth. There are times where you find yourself going, I, I just feel like it's all about earth right now, or I feel like it's all about heaven right now. And God says, you live in that world. You're a sojourner here on earth, and you are made for eternity. You have a spiritual dimension to you that God wants to release you in this world. God has given us the capacity to bring his kingdom into this earth, to make it a reality here on earth. We're told to pray that his kingdom would come. Pray that his kingdom would come. I was in a conversation with someone this past week at a local coffee shop. And they were just talking about life. They're talking about football, and they're talking about baseball, and they're talking about all kinds of stuff. And they said, so what's going on with you? And I just said something like this. I said, I've just been consumed with the presence of God lately. And the entire atmosphere of that situation changed. And all of a sudden, I saw them kind of, their countenance on their face began to change. And I began to talk about how God, God's presence surrounds us. And as we call on his presence, as we invite his presence in, his presence increases in our life, in our atmosphere all around us. And before long, football and baseball, while there's nothing wrong with talking about it at all, those became secondary issues. What became primary was the presence of God in one's life. And if I have the presence of God, I have confidence that I can move forward in life, that God can work in me and through me, and I can see God do some great and mighty things. We were sitting down this past week in a finance committee meeting and we were talking about Mervins. And uh, 79, uh, 18 of those Mervins had sold recently to one person who's now, the average price on each one of those is about $4.3 million. And I said, that's right in our price range. And the finance committee says, well, where are we going to get $4.3 million? And I said, I don't know. The first key is to get, convince them to sell it to us for what they bought it for. And then, when we need $4.3 million, then God can supply that. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? Would you rather say, let's save for the next 200 years? I mean, that's our option, amen? Unless somebody in here has $4 million, or at least one, they can have us now. we got to just depend on God, Amen. And God works through us, he works through you and me, and he brings all these things together, but I want to get out there and just be gutsy, risky for God. And if God doesn't show up, it's not my fault. It's his fault. We invited him in. Amen? Seriously. 
invite God in your problems. Isn't that what the Bible's all about? It's about the promises of God to do what he says he'll do. Why not just let God be God? We're always trying to help God out. Well, God, I know this is going to be a tough one for you. It's a big one. I hate to ask this big one for you, God, but it's $4 million. God says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Like that that black preacher friend of mine, S.M. Lockridge, who's gone to be with the Lord. He used to say his lordship is based on his ownership. And he did not have to write his signature in the sunset, for he owns it. He did not have to put a laundry mark on the cattle of a thousand hills, for he owns it. He did not have to put a patent on the songs a bird sings, for he owns it. His lordship is based on his ownership. All through the ages, men have been trying to ignore him. They tried to burn him with fire, but he refused to burn. They tried to drown him out with water, but he walked on the water. They tried to put, defeat him with a field of an empire, but he defeated it. They try to defeat him by ignoring and rejecting him. But before you know it, you'll hear a still small voice that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. When you hear him knock, invite him in. When he gets inside a church, when he gets inside your heart, when he gets inside a community, he can take control of the situation. I'll do my part, God. We're just going to be stupid risky for you. We're going to trust you and believe you, and God, now it's your problem. Not mine. You think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't thinking some weird things when they were getting ready to go in that fiery furnace? Daniel in the lion's den thinking, well, I hope you come through, God. But they had to first stand and say, God will. Then God did. You see, we want to say, look what God did before we ever say God will. Rather than God might, God will. Let God be God. Elijah stood there on that prophet, on that mount with those prophets of, of Baal, and he said, the God who answers by fire, he will be God. And he let them go first. They cried all night. Oh, Baal, answer us, Baal, answer us, Baal, answer us. And then it was his turn. He took a bucket of water, he poured it on the wood. Make it a little harder for Jehovah. And the God answered by fire. And it was a bad day for the prophets of Baal. Here's what I know. Everyone has an awareness that there's more to be had in their Christian life. Every one of you, you go, I know there's something more. I know I'm not living 100%. I know I'm not even close. I know God wants to show me. I know everyone in this room has that awareness. Many have a hunger for more. Not everyone. Not everyone in this room will have a hunger for more. More of God. To see God more. To, to walk in God's fullness more. And I think only a few really discover that more. We have to want God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. We have to cry out like the psalmist did when he said, my heart pants after God like the deer pants after the water brook. We have to have that kind of a hunger for God. Isaiah prayed, he said, God, what we need you to do is rend the heavens. We need you to tear the heavens open for us. You know what, you know what he was praying? He was saying, we gotta get heaven here on earth because it's not working, guys. Guys. 
It's just not working without God showing up. He says, oh, that you would rend the heavens, Isaiah 64, rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood. A fire causes water to boil to make your name known to your adversaries. Did you notice that? He wasn't praying that they would know God better, that the adversaries would know that God showed up. This past week, I spoke at the Nixon Library for the 9-11, and I spoke with the deputy commander of the Camp Pendleton, a two-star general, and we were talking ahead of time and just kind of getting his, his take on the world and what was happening. And then we went out there, and, and it was a very patriotic day. It was a very great day of, to remember. And... I remember getting ready to stand up and speak and there were references to God and I didn't hear references to Jesus Christ. And there was that little voice inside of me that said, be a little bit politically correct. They already know you're a pastor. They already know you follow Jesus and just kind of, you know, give them the God talk. And I walked up there and I thought, I'm going for it. So I made sure Jesus Christ got the credit. That Jesus Christ is God. That what we need, the world we live in, the geopolitical issues we face and the uncertainty we face economically and every other way can only be solved when Jesus Christ shows up. Amen? And those issues on a global scale are the same issues on, a, on your scale, my scale. It is that we have to have Jesus Christ show up. Oh God! rend the heavens and come down that our adversaries may know that you are God that the nations may tremble at your presence you see there is coming a day when every knee will bow not only at the name but to the name and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father it's not a matter of whether they will it's just a matter of when they will because there will come a day at that great white throne judgment where Adolf Hitler will bow his knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Mussolini will bow his knee. Every politician of every age, every evil man of every age will bow their knee at the name of Jesus and to the name of Jesus, but it will be too late for them at that point. He will say, depart from me, I never knew you. For us who have opportunity today, we are to bow the knee Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you go into your work, he's Lord. He's got to be Lord of your life. In your family, let him be Lord. You go out shopping, let him be Lord. Wherever you go, talk about Jesus. Bring the presence of God in. He's going before you and say, I'm just going for it. Amen? I'm going to trust God. Let me give you some life applications. Here's the first one. This one is so critical. I hope you will take and copy it and write it in your Bible somewhere. Nothing happens in the kingdom without a faith declaration. Nothing happens in the kingdom of God without a faith declaration. You have to take a step. Hebrews says, whatever is not of, of faith is sin. We have to take a faith declaration and say, God will. People say, what if he doesn't? It's his problem. 
It is his problem. I am his child. When I was a little kid and I'd go down and I'd, I remember going down the street and I remember telling a kid, my dad can beat up your dad and he's ready any time. <laughs> I went back and told my dad. I said, dad, I just told Billy that you could beat up his dad. He said, that's right, I can. <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. I love it. They never fought it out. Billy did beat me up, though, so at least I know my dad could take his dad. God can handle the situation. Make a faith declaration. And then let me ask you this. What are you waiting for? What would you wait for? What would you say would be the right time to follow God? What would be the, the ideal conditions to really live for Jesus Christ? What would it look like for you? I mean, you're waiting for, for the world to get bad? Well, it's here. You're waiting for evil men to try to control you and the rest of the world? Well, they're here. Are you ready? Are you waiting to get a little bit older? Well, that's happening every day. What do you wait for? What would happen if this morning, right now, if every one of us would say something like this? Lord Jesus, I want to commit myself fully and completely to you. The stuff I've been holding on to that I thought was important is really not that important. I'm just going to push it over here, and I'm going to embrace the cross and the power of God. And the times in the past where I've been timid and resisted speaking your name are over. If people judge me, let them judge me for righteousness' sake, not for unrighteousness' sake. I'm going to see what God can do. I've figured out what I can do. I want to see what you can do, God. I'm going for it. Every day of my life, I'm going to step forward for Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, as we pray, there's one thing I want to ask of every person in this theater, in theater two, in theater four. I want to ask, Father, that we would commit ourselves completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That we would find ourselves, Father, living for you, holding nothing back. Right now, Father, I believe some in this room or in one of the other theaters may need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you who are listening, who are watching on the internet, I'm going to ask you, would you Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. It's as simple as a prayer and a faith away. Pray like this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, were buried and rose from the dead to forgive me my sins and to give me the gift of life. Right now, by faith, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to come in to my heart spiritually fill my heart write my name in the lamb's book of life i believe the promise that if we confess with our mouth the lord jesus believe in our heart that god has raised him from the dead we will be saved if that was your prayer and you believed on the lord jesus christ and he saved you while well, we're just our heads bowed and we're just praying if that was your prayer today you prayed and asked christ in your heart would you just slip your hand up Right where you see it. Just thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else?
about seven or eight or nine of you have lifted your hands in faith. Anyone else? God bless you in the back. Yeah, in the middle there. Jesus Christ has come to save, to make you a worshiper, to make you a follower, to change your life and to give you the atmosphere of God wherever you go. Follow him. Contact us and let us know that you made that decision. Let us put you on a path of growing and learning and developing. For the name of Jesus, we pray. Let's all stand together and sing.